Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. As has been the custom every fourth week of the NFL season, we are joined yet again on the podcast with Jameis One of One to recap what was yet another wild week in the NFL. A lot of moving in terms of draft position, in terms of playoff position, uh, and there's no better man on Twitter to help me break it down than Jameis One of One. We get into the Eagles and what they're going to do with Jalen Hurts moving forward. We get into Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Is the MVP conversation over? Uh, and a ton more. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Jameis One of One. We now welcome on a recurring guest, friend of the program, someone we've had on uh, every four weeks. So we've gotten to follow the season with him and and get his takes. It's Jameis One of One. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, I'm happy to be here. So what was yet another, and I feel like I'm saying this every week, uh, and I will continue to say this every week as we, we get towards the end of the season, but another wild week in the NFL um so much so much has happened just in terms of you know draft positions playoff positions all that stuff um and this Sunday night football game which is where we're going to start tonight uh has kind of turned everything in the AFC on its head a little bit uh it first off I want to talk about this Justin Jefferson what was essentially this Justin Jefferson forced to Fon Diggs trade that was made in the offseason It's rare that you see a true equal win-win, but I think in terms of what both teams needed, and we saw tonight Stephon Diggs, 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown, is exactly what the Bills needed, and a guy like Jefferson was perfect for the Vikings. What what makes Stephon Diggs just right in this Bills offense? Because it seems like he's the guy that that Josh Allen relies on. Yeah, he's been fantastic for them. Um, And, you know, Allen's having one of the... uh sort of the strangest and, and greatest uh, turnaround seasons in NFL history as far as, like, completion percentage and all that, which is it's fun to see because I still don't think he's, you know, he's that accurate. Um, but the system's magnificent. Diggs has made a huge difference. He's a deep threat. He runs great routes. Um, he, he's opened up their entire passing game. Their, their run game still is struggling, um, and that's even more impressive to see Allen doing what he's doing because the run game is still struggling. And the defense is, is kind of hit or miss. You know, tonight they play fantastic, but some games they just don't show up at all. They're a strange team. Um, I expected them to, to win tonight because coming into the season, like, I thought the Steelers were being drastically underrated. I, I remember we did, like, a season preview, I think, and um, and I said I, I saw them as a 12-win team. Mm-hmm. And this is what people were saying they were, like, a 7-9 to win team. But now they're really, really overrated, um, you know, because they were 11-0, and and everybody's just like, oh, wow, can they go 16-0? and it, they're an interesting one. I mean, I, I still think, you know, they, they get a top two seed and all, but um, Diggs has made a world of difference for Josh Allen and, and that team. And um, the Bills are dangerous. I mean, they're a dangerous, dangerous team. Yeah. And, and we'll talk here in a little bit. I want to get, um, you know, the, the top five teams that you feel most confident in, but let's, let's turn to the other side. Let's talk about the Steelers a little bit. I mean, like you said, this was a team. I, I'm one of them. I'll say hand up. I had them going eight and eight this season. I wasn't sure what exactly we were going to get, and right now, for me, and, and I don't know if the, you, you can tell me if, if this is crazy for saying this, but everybody's talking about, oh, they can't get the run game going. That's their biggest issue. I think the biggest issue, well, it's two things. It's a two-faceted thing. Is, is one, wide receiver drops absolutely killing them, especially the last few weeks. Um, it, you know, is inexcusable for a group that's so talented. 
And two, I don't know if it's so much their running game is what's killing them. I think it's their their willingness to go back to it even when it's not working and not making adjustments to make the running game work. Is that something that sounds a little bit more accurate to you? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Big Ben at, at this stage of his career, his arm is very limited. They don't really have a deep threat. And not just that the receivers, James Washington can easily be a deep threat on most teams. Um, but the Steelers, they don't go deep. Everything is sort of... It's not in a phone booth the way that the Saints play with Breeze, but it still functions that way because everything is so short. Um, you know, I think they they threw a graphic up on the screen tonight where you know Ben has thrown the most passes he's ever thrown in a five game span for the least amount of yards, and that's just the way their offense is. It, it's extremely limited. They're depending on their defense to win games for them, which works in the regular season, um, but they're going to get rolled by somebody come playoff time. Yeah, and this was a team too. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to me the way that we. We talk about these teams because you think, yes, like going in when the Steelers were, were 11-0, and going in to play Washington, everybody's saying, okay, there's a chance they go 16-0. and And something that, you know, I've said pretty regularly on this podcast is that, you know, even let's say they do win 16 games come playoff time if they get that. Obviously, if they go 16-0, they get that playoff by. Uh, whoever comes into Pittsburgh, you have to look at, at the money line, and simply from a betting standpoint, you'd have to favor the other team. And now, you know, they've dropped two in a row, and, and maybe things will regulate here a little bit. But I think this team, and part of it is, yes, due to injuries, I think Bud Dupree missing him was a huge loss for that defense. But like you said, come January, this team is really going to struggle, right? And and on the flip side, the Bills, like you said, have, have turned it around. What specifically... It, it part of Josh Allen's game or maybe it's Sean McDermott's coaching that has gotten them to this top tier level in the AFC. Yeah, it's, it's the system. Um, you know, their offensive coordinator will be up for a lot of head coaching jobs this year. Their head coach is fantastic. Their GM has built the team the right way. Um, but they're just, they're, they're building truly around Josh and everything he does. Well, you know, they're using the rollouts. He, he's not really throwing into danger, although he's got the cannon for it. Um, they're just playing extremely smart, and they're, they're building smartly around him. And they're letting him be the best he can be. They're not just expecting him necessarily to carry them, although he's putting up stats like he is. Um, it, it's fantastic to watch. I mean, I love seeing a team do it the right way around a young quarterback. Yeah. And, and I, you know, saying that, I will say, you know, Cleveland's also doing that with Baker. You know, they brought in a new coach. He recognized that Baker is a limited quarterback. And they're just, I mean, they're pounding the rock. They're they are really run heavy. They're doing everything Baker likes to do, and it's turning him into an efficient player. You know, whereas before, they actually gave him Jameis' old OC, Todd Munkin, and they had him in a vertical offense. And, I mean, his, his 2020 was disastrous. And so they have brought in the right guy for him. They brought in the right system for him, and it's working. You know, and he, he's probably going to end up getting paid, even though he might not necessarily deserve it, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see it for him because they're, they're building it the right way around him. They're doing that in Buffalo. You know, hopefully that happens for the same thing with uh, with Herbert in in L.A. You know, I, I, I don't know what the coach does down there, um, but hopefully they, they fix it for Justin. Yeah, I, I think the, the play at halftime where they were trying to rush the field goal unit onto the field with like seven seconds left and they were nowhere near getting the kickoff was just the perfect uh, summation of what this Charger season has been, largely due to coaching, you know, and and then you look at it from a much bigger scale. The Falcons and Chargers trading interceptions is has just been a, a look at how you know both of their seasons has gone. But 
You mentioned the Browns, and they were a team, you know, I'll admit I was wrong on, on the Steelers, but I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. I had the Browns going 11-5. and five. I love, you know, Jedrick Wills, adding Jack Conklin, what Stefanski was going to use in that offense. And like you said, they've turned uh, Baker into a very efficient quarterback. Looking ahead at the schedule here, uh, the Browns sit at 9-3, and three, big game coming up on Monday night. Um, and then looking at the Steelers' schedule, they go Bengals and, and um, Colts which, you know, we can talk about the Colts here in a little bit. They've been playing some really good football. Phil Rivers is playing some very efficient football. But if they drop that game and the and the Browns can somehow win out, we're talking about a Browns team that is potentially playing for the, the AFC North. Is that, I mean, is that just kind of a, a pipe dream for, for Browns fans and myself? Or is that something realistic where Week 17 we see the Steelers potentially go from having the one seed in the AFC to fighting for a divisional spot? I mean, I guess it's possible. I, I, I have the Steelers penciled in as, as a, you know, a top two seed. Um, I do think it's, it's possible they slip to a three now that the Bills own the tiebreaker over them. Um, I still just, I sort of think the Browns are kind of locked in at the five, and it wouldn't shock me to see them be locked in at the five going into the last game of the year and actually getting to rest some starters. I mean, if you can't move up and you can't move down, you know, get your guys healthy. Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at a, a Titans Browns first round matchup with the Browns go to Tennessee and uh, you know I mean the Browns just exploded on on uh, Tennessee recently so that'd be that'd be a fun one to see um, I, I mean it'd be cool to see them win the win the AFC North but I kind of have them locked in as a five seed and going against the Titans as a four seed mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think it's just I think it's just wishful thinking but it, yeah the Browns have done a really good job this season no doubt about it okay so. Next thing I want to talk about, uh, and I mentioned this to you before, I've got my list, and I, I, I'm excited to hear your list. So we're talking about the, the five teams that you have the most confidence in. Um, and, and I view this as not necessarily, you know, the most talented teams, not the top five power rankings right now, but going into the playoffs, the five teams I feel the most confident in that can win in January and make it to February. So I'll go through my five really fast, and then I want to hear yours, and then we can can kind of unpack it a little bit. So I've got the sure. Packers at five, the Bills at four, the Saints at three, the Rams at two, and then obviously the Chiefs at number one. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I'll say right off the bat, we, we have the same five. Uh, not exactly in the same order, but we have the same five. Um, so I'll say the Rams at five. Um, I don't think they have a glaring weakness at all. And then that's a big deal when you get into the playoffs. I'd actually say golf is probably their biggest weakness, mm-hmm. and he's not a weakness as long as you can protect him and he has the run game going. He, he's, he's, he's quite good, you know, if those two things are going for him. Um, and their run game is back. You know, Gurley left, and everybody kind of wondered what would happen. But their run game is back. Their defense is fantastic, uh, both against the run and the pass. So they're a good playoff team, and, and they could make a lot of noise. I, I have them at five. At four, I have the Bills. Um, you know, I think just everybody saw what they can do tonight. Uh, they're definitely legit. You know, they did get destroyed uh, earlier in the year um, by the Titans, but I, I don't think it'll matter. Uh, I, I think that they'll get a three seed. And, um, yeah, I just I like everything about Buffalo. You know, Allen, can, he can get wild at times, so that, that could come into play during the playoffs. But he played good in the, uh, the playoff game last year. And, um, yeah, I think he'll have even more confidence coming in this year. So for me, uh, three and two, it's it kind of matters, I guess, who would be who would be at home. So the Saints came into this week with the one seed. 
they they cough that away. Um, and the Packers now have the one seed in the NFC. So if they meet in in Green Bay, you got to give the edge to to uh, the Packers. If they meet in Nolens, I think the edge goes to the Saints. What I'd say about those two teams, the Saints are the best top to bottom roster in the NFL, I think by far. However, they do kind of play offense in a phone booth. And when Breeze is healthy, obviously he's starting. He should. But their offense still, it, it's very limited. They don't get a lot of explosive plays. They rely on their defense a lot, and their defense played fantastic, you know, for the last seven, eight, nine games until today. Um, so I think they're a better team top to bottom than the Packers. But if they go on the road, that's, that's probably extremely troublesome. Breeze plays a lot better in the Dome than he does on the road. And then with Green Bay, I don't think they necessarily have a glaring weakness, but I think their defense is quite a bit worse than the Saints. And, you know, in a head-to-head matchup, that comes into play. Number one, I've got the Chiefs. Um, their defense isn't as good as the Saints. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a Super Bowl-level defense, but their offense is so good that, you know, you just, you just feel like they're going to find a way to score more points than the opposing team, and that's really all that matters. You know, it doesn't really matter if you have a great run defense. You know, the Buccaneers fans are, are so excited about their run defense. It, it doesn't make any difference if you get shredded through the air and you give up 30. You know, it doesn't matter if you held a, a, you know, a team under 50 yards running. If you give up 30, it makes no difference. So the Chiefs just, they have got that offense that you don't want to bet against them. And the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes thing feels like the Belichick-Brady thing, where you just do not bet against them. Yeah, they might lose, but you don't bet against them. Yeah, and that was a funny thing watching this this Dolphins Chiefs game today. Is you know the the Dolphins had Mahomes number in the first quarter, and I and I look and it's like, man, they only got ten points. There's no way. Like there's no. It's crazy to me that we've we've just assumed now that that Mahomes and the Chiefs are are going, like no deficit is too big for them to come back from, right? And and you're almost like, man, you wish you would have gotten maybe you know instead of a field goal, get that other touchdown, get it up to fourteen points. Um, which yeah, which is why they're undisputed number one for sure. Uh, so the, the the biggest discrepancy I think you and I had was was that Rams team. I have them at two. You had them at five. I was big on them coming into the week. I will say watching them play this week and watching the Saints play this week did did have a factor in these rankings a little bit. Um, but for me, what what it really came down to um, with with the Rams and the Saints um, is I I think they're similarly constructed teams, or, or at least on the defensive side of the ball and and with the weapons they have around their quarterback. But it does come down to the quarterback play. Right, and so for me, it was a matter of who do I trust more, Jared Goff or Taysom Hill slash Drew Brees, depending on who we see. Um, obviously, you know it sounds like Drew Brees is going to be coming back soon, and for me right now, the edge I think is Jared Goff, just because what we've what we've seen from him um, is is a lot more volume, I guess, than what we would get out of Drew Brees, uh, and also taking into account the Saints, you know, uh, struggles in the postseason over the last few years. Some of it not necessarily their fault, but. Um, yeah, I mean this Rams team right now. If yeah, like you said, if their biggest weakness is, what are we gonna get? Like you know, you need to make sure that Jared Goff doesn't turn the ball over and and, and limit his mistakes. If that's your biggest weakness, uh, considering you know, I think Jared Goff is pretty good, especially in in the system that Sean McVay's running. So yeah, the Rams at two for me that that's what put them over the Saints. Um, and I think the Packers, their defense is gonna hurt them a little bit more, but. Um, yeah, I think all in all, that's, I'd say we did pretty good, I guess, if we, we had the same, the same five, just a different order. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, on the, on that chiefs thing, you know, I mean, Mahomes threw three picks, 
fumbled. They got that back. And then Miko also lost the fumble. So, I mean, four turnovers, and they still put up 33. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's ridiculous. You don't see that very often. So, um, yeah, I don't think anybody will really bet against them. Um, with the Rams, and, again, you know, playoffs, it's a lot like it's a lot like boxing. You know, once you get to the playoffs, everybody can kind of pick out who the best teams are through the regular season. Same in the NBA. You can easily find the best teams. But when you get into the playoffs, it's all about matchups. And so, you know, I think the Rams personally would have a better chance beating the Packers, for example, um, than the Saints, even though the Packers probably will get the higher seed. Just because I think the Rams, when they, if they play the Saints, I think the matchup, it'll, it'll just trend towards a low-scoring game, playing defense, trying to run. And the Saints generally, I mean, today they got shredded for some reason, but generally speaking, you can't really run on them. Mm-hmm. And they do get pressure on the quarterback. And then it becomes a defensive battle where who, just who's going to turn the ball over less. And in that specific scenario, I'd always take Breeze over Goff. You know, if, if you got to go out there and get 30 and, and move the ball, I can see, you know, favoring uh, Goff. But in a low-scoring game where you just can never turn the ball over, I, I think that would favor the Saints. And then, you know, on the flip side, if the Saints run up into the Packers in Green Bay, I just I have a feeling that Lambeau, and, even if they're not there, but it'll, it'll come into play. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, like you said, it really is matchup base like it's what team you get at what time and I think part of it will be you know I don't think home field advantage in terms of just crowd noise will will play an effect but you look at you know this is going maybe off topic a little bit here but a team like Tampa Bay if they have to go and travel and play in in Green Bay that's going to be a lot different not necessarily for Brady but but for his receivers and and having to to play in that cold condition or a team like the Rams who are used to playing in you know a nice temperature controlled insulated dome uh and and having to go on the road in that harsh condition so it it really is i mean this list 1 through 5 i think the chiefs are 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 number 1 clearly but 2 through 5 is is just such a minuscule difference right like any any sort of edge could could flip these teams any which way yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And um, yeah, with Tampa, you know, I know they they really want to get that five seed, so you get a an easier first round matchup. Um, and right now, it looks like they'll they'll get either the Rams, the Seahawks, or the Saints. You know, and the Saints outscored them. I think it was seventy two to twenty six this year. So I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't really competitive. The Rams already beat them, um, and the Seahawks. It's it's just tough if you have to play in Seattle. So Tampa, I think you know they they get in. I mean, before the season started, I said nine to eleven wins and a, and a wild card berth. And I think that's exactly it. I think they'll probably, you know, 10, maybe 11 wins, still a sixth seed. So they're going up against probably the Rams, Seahawks, or, or uh, um, Saints and out in the first round. You know, and, and I thought it was interesting, uh, Arian's comments today about how this is what we are, we're whatever we want to be. And, you know, he was, he was so pumped up. They played bad football today. I mean, the, the Vikings kicker missed three field goals and an extra point. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks got a free field goal at the end of the first half on a silly you know, penalty on a Hail Mary. They, they played bad football. Kirk Cousins shredded them in the first half. The Vikings ran on them up and down the field like crazy, which I didn't expect to see because Tampa does have a great run defense. Um, but, I mean, if that's the, if that's their A game, if that's the game that Arians is bragging about, I think they're they're one and done in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of matchups, this NFC East group has gotten considerably more interesting over over these last few weeks. I mean, what was essentially a laughing stock you know it's like ah oh, they're going to be 5 and 11 you know 6 and 10 and then the giants in washington go out and, and beat seattle and the formerly undefeated pittsburgh steelers 
Um, so right now, Washington controls their destiny over after a win over the 49ers. So I want to ask you two questions here. Which team do you think has the best shot, with, uh, factoring in rest of season schedule, all that stuff, to get that NFC uh, division spot, NFC East division spot? And then on the flip side of that, if I'm the, if I'm the, the five seed, who do I least want to see uh, win that division? So two questions there. Who do you think wins it, and who would teams be a little bit concerned about if they somehow find a way to, to win the NFC East? Yeah, actually, I mean, it, it's really cool the way the NFC East has um, has progressed because it's it's sort of the story of the NFL right now. Like, it, it's kind of the funnest race to watch. Most of them all are locked up. I mean, the Saints have locked up the division. Uh, basically, yeah, I know they haven't done it mathematically, but it, it's, been, it's basically over. The Packers, it's over. Um, you know, the NFC East, it's a, it's a really fun division. It's become extremely exciting. Um, if I was betting, I would put money on Washington. I think that they're they're going to go seven and nine, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they go eight and eight with the Eagles sort of no showing in the last game. I don't I don't necessarily mean they're going to tank, but I think they'll be completely eliminated by that point. Um, so I think going into the last game, you know, Washington rolls in at like seven and eight, and the Giants are still sitting down at like five and ten. The Eagles maybe you know five nine and one or whatever. So I would put money on on Washington, and then as far as the the second question, uh, who would the other teams least like to see? I actually kind of think Philly. I mean, just after seeing what they can do today, they've they've played really solid football against some really quality teams this year and just come up short. Um, and they're not they're not a bad team. They just have a bad record. They're they're kind of like the Vikings in the beginning of the year where they started one and five. And I think I tweeted out, you know, are they the greatest one in five team in NFL history? I mean, because you could see they're a quality football team that was just coming up on the on the losing end. Um, and Philly's dangerous. I mean, they they put a beating on the Saints. You know, the Saints got two kind of, you know, second half touchdowns that got them back in the game and everything. But Philly did what they wanted. Um, so I think they're more dangerous. Um, you know, whether it's Wentz or Hurts, I think both of those guys are definitely more dangerous than Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins. Uh, and that that's a big plus. Washington does have a great defense, but if you can't score points, it doesn't necessarily matter. You, you've got to outscore the other team. So, and they're probably going to play, you know, the Seahawks or the Rams. I mean, that's probably a guaranteed five seed is either the Seahawks or the Rams, whoever doesn't win the NFC West. So I don't really see them having a problem with either of those teams, but, um, I mean, I don't see the Seahawks or the Rams having a problem with anybody out of the NFC East. But um, I think Philly would probably scare scare them more than anybody else. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, you know, this, and, and we can transition here, talk a little bit of, about Jalen Hurts and how he fared today. But it was almost, to me, maybe not on the same scale, but you look at what, um, how Mitch Trubisky is, has, you know, and he had a great game today as well, um, but just in terms of how bad that Bears offensive line is and getting a guy like Trubisky back in the lineup who's willing to get out and, and move a little bit more, just like Jalen Hurts, who rushed for 100 yards today, which was which was incredible. Um, you know, an offensive line for the Eagles, that's not necessarily bad, but but banged up. Um, but he, he provided them a little bit of more flexibility, making plays outside of the pocket. Like I said, a rush for 100 yards. But now the Eagles are in this weird spot where, you know, Carson Wentz has struggled for a lot of the season. He had a couple of good games here and there, but Jalen Hurts, totally revamped the team last week against the Packers and now this week led them to a big win over the Saints and essentially kept, you know, what what small playoff hopes they have alive. 
is this a is this a permanent change? I mean, you can't go back now, right? It, it's got to be hurts the rest of the way. But what does it look like in in coming into next season? Yeah, that's a fascinating situation. Um, I, I mean, I agree with you. Now, now that you've gone with him, and he just beat the number one seed in the NFC, like you can't turn back to Wentz. I mean, at that point, I think you you just create a massive issue in the locker room. Um, even though I know Wentz still has supporters and all that in the locker room, you, you just can't. You can't turn around and go back to him after after this kid comes in and beats the Saints. So you've got to roll with him. And yet it's still probably a completely lost season where you're not getting into the playoffs. So it, it all just sort of sets up for a fascinating offseason. You know, do the Eagles still believe that Wentz is the better option going forward, that, you know, you get into next year with a real training camp and maybe some preseason games, blah, 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 that he's the better option? And, and then, then does that cause another huge rift in the locker room? So I guess, you know, at this point I would say that Wentz probably is never going to start again for the Eagles. Um, and it, it's kind of a weird thing to say because I know that that whole front office, you know, was fully behind him. I mean, they love the guy. They gave him a $128 million guaranteed contract, and he's never going to earn a penny of it necessarily playing quarterback for them. It, it's one of the stranger situations, I think, that, that we've seen at the quarterback position in history. You know, um, and it kind of points to the fact that, you know, teams extending early, it's it's not really a good idea. I mean, yeah, you got Mahomes. Of course you're going to extend early. But is Lamar going to get an extension early? Maybe not. Is Baker? Probably not. Or Although, you know, they've got a good record, so maybe the, the ownership gets tricked by that. But, um, you know, the Eagles obviously, I think, would, would take back that contract if they could. And um, there was no reason to give it to him a year early. You know, this would have been his fifth-year option, and they would have no problem you know, walking away and having all that extra cap space going into next year. Whereas now, even if they trade him, they have a huge dead cap hit. So it, it's fascinating. I, I think that, you know, Jalen gets the starts the rest of this year. Um, I, you know, as a prospect, I, I know there's, there's some people who are just totally down on him. They think he's, he'll never, ever be, you know, a quality starter. Um, but this first game, I think he looked a lot like what Taysom Hill looked like in his first start against the Falcons a few weeks ago. You know, he can beat you with his legs. He's not that accurate, but he's accurate enough that if you game plan around him and, and you, you get him into a rhythm, you know, he can complete a high percentage at least. So, I mean, give the kid a chance. Let, let him start the rest of the year and see what you got. And if you really don't like him, um, they're going to have a high enough pick where they can go get a decent quarterback in the draft. So I, I, I would definitely start him the rest of the year and, and let him show you everything he has and then figure it out. So from the way that you're from the way that you're phrasing this, it sounds like either Carson Wentz, like you just said, Carson Wentz is not playing a another down as the starting quarterback for the Eagles either through the draft or or if it's Jalen Hurts. So what happens to Carson Wentz? Now I, I've been looking into the contract situation. As you know, I'm a Colts fan, so I'm I'm mapping pretty much every veteran quarterback through Indianapolis, seeing a way that it works. Um, and in terms of salary cap, so the, the like you said, the Eagles will take a big hit of it. But whoever trades for Carson Wentz gets a guy over the next four years on about $25 million a year, which is incredible value. And I know, you know, the, the Colts are going to be a team that are, are, are listening to offers, but or are, are going to be listening to what it would take to get him. But if so, is it a cut? Is it a trade? And if he's gone, where does where does Wentz go? Well, the the cutting him doesn't make sense to me. I know there's some media guys that are like, well, you know, he's he's garbage now. You might as well just cut him. Nobody will trade. 
Uh, you'd have to give up a pick with him to trade him. I don't see it this, that way. I mean, he did play at an MVP level for a large chunk of a season that resulted in the Super Bowl at the end. You know, yes, Foles won it, but it's possible that, you know, had Wentz stayed there, he would have won MVP and he would have won it. Um, he's played at an extremely high level in the past. He still has all the necessary talent and, and, and tools that people look for in a, in a prospect. I know he's, he's getting older, but he's still, you know, well under 30. Um, you know, people are talking about Taysom Hill as the future of the Saints. He's already 30. Carson, I believe, is the high end of 26, maybe 27. Um, so I don't think that they would have to cut him. I don't think that they would have to include a pick to get rid of him the way the, uh, the Texans did with Brock Osweiler. Um, Carson Wentz is still an elite talent, you know, even if he hasn't played, you know, as like an elite quarterback this year. So, you know, and like you mentioned, you know, the, the salary isn't even that big of a deal. I mean, some fans are freaking out about it and, and quoting numbers, but when you see what guys are getting, it, it isn't that big of an issue. So, the problem is if the Colts are the only team that makes an offer, then it becomes, you know, the Colts can lowball them as, as much as they want, and the Eagles, do they even want to do that? I mean, do they want to trade him for a, a fourth? Do they, do they want to do that, or would they rather just bring him back? Because you still have the massive dead cap hit. And if they still think he's, he is technically better than Hurts, but they just don't really think he's going to roll in the locker room and blah, 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 it becomes an interesting situation. So I think the Colts really are, are the only realistic trade partner. The other team that that uh, would be cool to see, it would, it would actually be wild, would be the Bears. You know, because Foles mm. was there. That would mm. just be hilarious. Um, but outside of those two teams, I, I'm just not sure there's another team that, that makes a, a decent offer um, that would even get the, the Eagles interested. So... You know, we can, we can talk about the quarterback carousel in a little bit. You know, I, the way I see it, there's nine teams that are going to need a new QB1 next year. And there's about 11 big-name quarterbacks that will be looking for jobs. That includes draft guys. So I think it will be fascinating to see, like, where the quarterbacks go, slot in. And Wentz is probably the most fascinating just because somebody's probably going to have to trade for him, you know, and, and who's going to pony up and, and make an offer. But I think the Colts make the most sense, obviously, because of the Frank Wright connection. Um Carson plays a lot like Andrew uh, Luck did. I'm not saying he's he's as good, but he's a dynamic quarterback. He can move. He can throw on the run. He's got a big arm, um, and he has a good connection already with the coach. So that's the team I think that Carson would want to go to above any other, um, and it's the team that I think would want him more than any other. So that seems to be you know the the logical obvious trading spot. Yeah, wouldn't that be something if if a year after Nick Foles gets traded to the Bears for a fourth round pick that the bears turn around and, and bring on Carson Wentz for, for something similar. Um, but yeah, I think, I think part of it too is, is, you know, if you sign a guy in the off season, you're, you're bidding against a lot of other teams. Likely the price is going to be driven up. I don't know if you get a guy of Carson Wentz's caliber for 25 million a year, which is what I think about what it'll, what it'll equal out to when you take away the cap hit that the Eagles are going to have to eat regardless. Um, but yeah, I think this is a good, let, let's get into this QB carousel a little bit. I know, you know, like I said, as a Colts fan, I've been busy this, this season watching all these guys, you know, seeing, oh, would Matt Ryan work? Would, would Matt Stafford, you know, who, who, who needs a new spot, Gardner Minshew, whatever the case. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit. How, how do you see this car- uh, QB carousel shaping out? So the nine, <clears throat> the nine teams that I think um, will need a new QB one next year, the Saints, I think Breeze retires. The Colts, I think Rivers retires. The Jets, Darnold's not it. 
the Jags, Minshew's not it. The Falcons, uh, I think Matt Ryan still starts next year, but I think the Falcons will be looking in the draft for their future. You don't get this many cracks, generally speaking, you know, at a top 10 pick. They just lost again to one of the worst teams in football. So I think this is the year that they probably pull the trigger and, and draft Ryan's um, successor, at least. The 49ers, I think Jimmy G is done there. The Bears, you know, I think Trubisky will just be let go, and Foles is not a real starter. You know, you, you can start him, but he's not a real starter. And the Washington football team. Um, Alex Smith is a great story. I don't think anybody, you know, actually believes that he's the future there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, came in today and still didn't play very good, and I don't think anybody in that organization believes he's the future there. And then finally the Patriots. Um, Cam Newton is having a historically bad season. The media is giving him a massive pass, but Cam is putting up stats that would have made Tim Tebow puke. I mean, they're terrible. <laughs> and yeah, I, I've tweeted this out, but I mean, I love Cam. I, I, I love the guy. I mean, I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame. I, I've always liked watching him play. I liked him at Auburn. But, I mean, I didn't see this coming. This, it's been dreadful. Well, so and I also, they, also, I will say, being further removed from it, Watching Cam throw for almost 400 against the Seahawks looks absolutely incredible compared to what we've seen now. Like, it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, yeah. The, the Seahawks were an absolute mess at the beginning of the year, but you're right. I mean, he he, he looked great in that game. And then, um, you know, for the rest of the year, he's, he's looked like a poor man's Tim Tebow, which is it's sad. And um, so, so those are the nine teams. Uh, Saints, Colts, Jets, Jags, Falcons, 49ers, Bears, Washington, and Patriots. And then... To me, there's 11 sort of name quarterbacks, be it rookies or, or veterans, and that would be Carson Wentz, uh, the, the rookies, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, um, and then the, the uh, sort of free agent type guys would be Jameis and Jimmy G. So oh, also Cam and, and uh, Mitch Trubisky, who, who you mentioned earlier, who, you know, he can have some good games now and then. So... You know, looking at that whole list, I think the Patriots. I think they. I think they'll make a trade for Jimmy G. I don't think they'll have to give up much. You know, I think he knows the system. I think they're comfortable with him. Bill Belichick never wanted him to leave. You know, he actually kind of was trying to run Tom out to to turn it over to Jimmy. So, and I think Jimmy's just done in San Francisco. I think they they get a deal done. Um, the Saints. I would still put money on it that they stick with Jameis. Uh, and people say, what do you mean stick with Jameis? He's not playing. There's a reason he's not playing. Their salary cap is the absolute worst in the entire NFL. If they were to have showcased him instead of Taysom over these four games, you know, and whether he went 3-1, and 4-0, whatever, you know Jameis. Jameis is going to put up 300 yards a game. He's mm-hmm. going to throw touchdowns. Even if he throws some picks, it would have been a showcase because those were four terrible teams. Um, all you're doing is jacking up his, his, his value in the offseason. And the Saints – they want him back, and they do not want to pay him much. They, they want to keep him as cheap as possible. So Sean Payton's not stupid. He wasn't wrong for starting Taysom. Jameis knew that going in. You know, he, Sean even talked about that in a SiriusXM interview, that you know, Jameis understood the situation even when he signed. He knew what it was about. The Saints are in, they're sort of in cap purgatory next year, but Jameis wants to be a Saint. His wife's family's from there. He wants to stay in the South. He wants to be close to Bethlehem, Alabama. He wants to be in the NFC South. You know, and, and Peyton's doing a smart thing. So even though Taysom looked bad today and, and you know, his stats, I, I also tweeted that out, his stats over these four starts compare pretty, they're pretty close to what Tebow did back in uh, 2017, where in the exact same weeks even, 
um, of the season. So if I had to put money on it, I'd still say Jameis sticks with the Saints and Taysom comes back and he's right back into his Swiss Army knife role and that he's done enough in these four games to prove he is a legitimate quarterback too. You don't need another backup. You don't have to go get somebody. Taysom Hill can fill in in a pinch. Mm-hmm. He is capable of doing that. So I think they're they're pretty much set for next year with, with both Jameis and Taysom. Um, like I already said, I see the Colts trading for Wentz, uh, Patriots trading for Jimmy G. And then basically you're looking at the draft. So I think everybody expects Trevor Lawrence to the Jets. I think everybody expects Justin Fields to the Jags. Then you got Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, the other first-rounders. And I think the Falcons pulled the trigger on Zach Wilson. I think they'll have that pick. Um, there won't be another team ahead of them that needs a quarterback. And I think it'll just be too hard for them to to pass up on Zach Wilson. You know, even with Matt Ryan there, he's he is declining. You know, um, his arm was never elite to begin with, and he is declining. Um, and the owner seems to have sort of fallen out a little bit, even just some of his own public comments um, that he wouldn't have made in past years. So I, I see the Falcons taking Zach Wilson as a as a value pick, um, probably giving him a redshirt year and just letting him learn from from Matty Ice, as they call him. Um, the next team I think that would be in the draft order that needs a quarterback is the 49ers. So mm-hmm. whether they have to trade up or whether they stay put, I have them penciled in to take Trey Lance. A lot of people haven't seen him play, don't know much about him, but he's like Cam Newton. I mean, the guy has a cannon arm. He's, he's huge. He can run. He's got all the tools that every coach would want. Um, you know, the worry is the level of competition he played, um, you know, and that he's still a little raw, but seeing him matched up with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Kyle Shanahan had, had Kirk Cousins playing MVP type football. He mm-hmm. had Matt Ryan win an MVP. Trey Lance is way more gifted than both of those guys. He's way more gifted than Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, I think that would be a great fit for the Niners. The only concern is that, you know, the Niners may feel that they're, they're built to win right now and they might not want to rely on a rookie. But there's not, you know, outside of Jameis, outside of Wentz, who I don't see them trading for and giving up picks, uh, Trey Lance makes a lot of sense. So those are the only quarterbacks that I see going first round, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. But the next two teams that I think would take a rookie would be the Bears, and I think they'd probably take Kyle Trask in the second round um, and roll with Foles and Trask. They're not <laughs> – Chicago fans overrate their team. You know, They think their team's just a quarterback away. I don't think it is. Um, I think they're you know by far – uh, behind the, both the Vikings and the Packers in their own division. The Vikings aren't that, that good of a team. So it makes a lot of sense, I think, to take Kyle Trask and let him learn from Nick Foles, who is a good teacher, and, and everybody's always you know been on board with him as a teammate. And then finally, the Washington football team. I think they would love to trade up in the draft for Zach Wilson if they can. Um, I just don't see the Falcons you know moving down and, and letting that happen. I think the Falcons could even jump up if needed for Zach. Same with the Niners. I don't think they're going to let... Um, Washington get ahead of them. So I think Washington probably just has to take Mac Jones in the second round, which it could be a good good pick for them. Um, they're all about defense and, and sort of ball control offense. It could be a very good pick. So that, that covers the nine teams. It leaves out two guys, Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky. As far as Mitch goes, I see him kind of like he'll be this offseason's Marcus Mariota. I think he'll sign with whatever team offers him the most money, and I think he's looking at being a career backup. Um, and strangely enough, I think it could be the Raiders. Uh, Gruden loves quarterbacks that can move, um, and I think the Raiders just 
cut ties with Mariota, and it wouldn't shock me to see Mariota retire. Um, mm. From what I've heard, just that's gone on uh, within the organization and, and with his own injury history and things of that nature. Uh, I just don't think there's any future uh, for him there, at least. Um, you know, and he made his money. He's not a guy like like a Teddy Bridgewater. He's not a guy like like Dak before this year. You know, Mariota was the number two overall pick, so he's he's made I think over fifty million, maybe even over sixty million in his career. He's not hurting for money. Um, so I, I wish him all the best. But I could even see Trubisky signing with the Raiders, and then Cam. <sighs> I mean, I'd love to see Cam keep going. I, I I think you know, you know, he could do pretty good with Washington, you know, and his old coach. But there just seemed to be zero interest from Washington or even Ron Rivera. I mean, they could have signed him already this year, and there was just no interest. So to me, it makes more sense because Cam is, you know, in his mind, he's Superman. And I don't see him taking uh, to being a backup. I don't see him sort of humbling himself and, and doing the Taysom Hill thing, kind of being a Swiss Army Knife QB2 guy. Um, although if he, if he would, you know, I think there's a bunch of teams that would sign him to that. I think Cam's ego is big enough and healthy enough, and, and I'm not even saying that in a bad way, just that I could just see him retiring and, and going into TV, going into acting, you know, I mean, he's a charismatic guy. He's a good-looking guy. He's still young. He's got tons of money. He doesn't need to take the beating of the NFL anymore. And I don't think any team views him as a QB1 going into next year. So it wouldn't shock me to see him retire at all. Yeah, the only the only two things that I, you know, just kind of just thinking about that, that might skew this up a little bit is you look at a team like the Cowboys, maybe if they move on from Dak Prescott, that throws him in the, the mix for, for free agency because he signed the franchise tag. And that also puts them in the mix for drafting one of those one of those quarterbacks um and then the Panthers too I mean maybe Teddy Bridgewater is the guy but I think with Matt Rule especially you know being in year two they, they surprised a lot of people myself included uh, with the way they've been able to stay in games and like you said you don't get to draft a quarterback in the top 10 top 12 often so if a guy you know a franchise guy comes around maybe maybe they pull the trigger I mean is that is that is that crazy to to think I think the Panthers one is is a really um I think that's a good observation because I could definitely see them doing that. Uh, the only thing, the only reason I didn't say that for them is um, that Bridgewater's contract was the three years. I know they could get out of it. I think after two years and like thirty-four million, um, but it may make sense to to give him one more year and draft the guy after that that second year. However, they will probably be, I guess, between the Falcons and the 49ers, so they would have a chance to take Lance unless the 49ers jump him. And letting Trey Lance learn from from Teddy and and be in that system. <laughs> with Joe Brady, although I think Joe Brady could leave and, and uh, get a head coaching job. That makes a lot of sense. You know, Trey Lance is raw. Teddy's a good dude. I mean, I've, I've always heard only good things about him. So that makes a lot of sense, and that would kind of shake up everything because if the Panthers take Trey Lance, the Niners probably don't trade Jimmy G to the Patriots because there isn't anybody to fill his spot. And then the Patriots, you know, maybe they actually take uh, – maybe they trade back up into the first round and take a Kyle Trask, which steals him from the Bears. So that could shake everything up. Um, as far as the Cowboys go, I would love to see it because I think that would just cause chaos. If if they franchise tag, da- tag Dak, but they use the draft pick on, like, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, and they just offer Dak to the highest bidder, that, that would cause a huge ripple effect throughout a whole bunch of teams. Um, and then I think the Colts would be big players in that, you know, do the Colts trade for Wentz or do they trade for Dak? Um, the Patriots may want in on Dak, although I don't know that they'd want in on Wentz. So that would be really interesting. I think that the Cowboys are just going to franchise tag Dak again. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. Um, but I tweeted that out there that it makes a lot of sense for them to do it because 
you're basically talking about, you know, franchise tagging Dak and using the pick for one player or trading Dak for two firsts, which is what you can get for a franchise tag quarterback, and then using the cap space that Dak, the, the difference in cap space between Dak's contract and just the rookie, you know, to sign probably three starters. Mm-hmm. So is Dak actually worth five starters? I don't think so. I know there's some Cowboy fans that do, but I definitely don't think so. So um, that would be great, you know, just to see it. Um, and I think, you know, Dak probably would, would uh, have a lot more fun playing outside Dallas and playing on, on the Colts anyways or, you know, with the Patriots. Um, I know he says he likes Dallas and everything, but there's better organizations out there. So. Yeah, and yeah, and he definitely strikes me as somebody who would be a small market guy, a guy who would thrive in, in a spot like the Colts. Um, but I mean, that's just a dream. Like I said, I've been, I've been mapping pretty much every eligible quarterback to the Colts and seeing, you know, do I really want this to happen? But I think to your point with this, with this Dak thing is that, no, I don't think he's worth five starters, but I think moving on from him puts you at risk. You know, so you're saying you get five starters, but then you take the risk of, of drafting a quarterback who may not work out. Right. And so that, that I think definitely has to factor into it, but it's a unique situation, and like you said, one one false move could just set off a chain of ripple effects that throw the whole offseason on its head. So I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun one. Um, before well, you look- I'll ask you, as, as a Colts fan, um, and just real quick, just so I don't have Cowboy fans DMing me like crazy, when I said there's better organizations out there, just so everybody knows, I love the Cowboys, love Jerry Jones, America's team, love them. Um, you know, and I've spent time in Texas and, and love the state. But what I meant by that is, you know, there's teams better built to win right now. And Indy is one of them, um, you, you know, so there's just better situations for a quarterback to pop into immediately. But you being a Colts fan, I'll, I'll just ask, would you rather have them give up two firsts for Dak to be your guy next year, or would you rather have them give up, say, a third for Wentz? And, oh, man, that's such a tough question because I've, <laughs> like, I've, I've wrestled with that in my mind. Um, and right now, to be honest with you, I would say – I would probably say Wentz, not just not necessarily because he's more talented. I think Dak is far more talented. But you think about, like you said, the there's going to be you know you're you're spending more to get Dak, not only in a draft capital perspective, but also from a salary cap too. Because if he gets franchise tagged again, I think it's what thirty nine million dollars, which is a lot of yeah. money for a guy coming off of what was a very scary injury. So I think in terms of you know you get the familiarity, you get a guy who's a little bit cheaper. You also get him for for long term and. Um, I would say Wentz, but it it is very close. I think everything being equal, I would rather have Dak, but I think the external factors that come with both quarterbacks lean me more towards Wentz than Dak. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because you're talking about Dak or basically, you know, you're giving up Dak. I'm, I'm sorry, you're getting Dak and you're giving up two first-round picks and an extra, say, $14 million a year. Mm-hmm. That's a good quality starter. So now you're talking, do you want Dak or do you don't? Do you want Wentz, two firsts, and another starter? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, when you throw, when you put it like that, it's it, it it has to be Wentz, I think. But okay, before we let you go, we've mentioned a couple a couple guys here: the the Bills offensive coordinator Joe Brady, uh, uh, Robert Robert Sala has been talked about. You know, the, the Eric Bieniemy, the the Chiefs offensive coordinator, has been talked about for these head coaching spots. Uh, and a guy you mentioned to me before we started. Uh, Jim Harbaugh was a name that you threw out there too. So talk to me a little bit about is Harbaugh getting interest with these NFL teams? 
Yeah, well, there was a report that came out of Pro Football Talk um, saying that five teams are interested in Harbaugh. And, um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of talk about who those five teams are. So I would put out there that logically it just makes sense. The five teams are the Jets, who definitely need a new head coach. The Jags definitely need a new head coach. The Falcons, they just have an interim at the moment, although, you know, he, he could possibly be resigned. Um, but especially if you're talking about drafting a young quarterback, it would make sense to get, you know, your next head coach in there if, if you want a long-term guy with a long-term rookie quarterback. The Lions, who definitely need a new head coach, uh, and Harbaugh has that Michigan connection. And the Chargers, and Har- Harbaugh has a connection there. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people love Anthony Lynn. They say he's, he's maybe the best man that you could have for the job. But as a coach and with the time management and some of these things, um, it would make sense to move on. You know, and I, I think they would probably approach Herbert and say, you know, you're our future, you're our guy. What do you think? You know, do you want a new coach? Um, Justin seems, and, and from what I've read and all this, he seems to kind of have more of a laid-back personality where he maybe wouldn't want to make that kind of call. Um, but I could see Harbaugh there too. So I think the Jets, the Jags, the Chargers, the Falcons, the Lions all make sense for Jim Harbaugh. And I know a lot of people are kind of down on him um, for what he's doing in Michigan, but, you know, Michigan doesn't have the athletes that Ohio State has. You know, so when you say, well, he hasn't beat Ohio State, yeah, so. And a Chinese basketball team isn't beating the Lakers, so what? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make any difference to me. So um, Jim Arbaugh proved he can coach uh, in Frisco. I mean, three straight NFC title games and and very close to a Super Bowl. So I I think any of those five teams um, would be getting an immediate upgrade. I don't think anybody would, would disagree um, with that. I don't think anybody would prefer Adam Gase or, or Anthony Lynn or Matt Patricia or any, any of those types of play, guys over Harbaugh. Well, yeah, and, and part of it is, too, it's like coaching at the college level and the NFL level are, are two totally different things. First off, you know, as a coach at the college level, you're also, you have a big hand in recruiting and getting guys to, to come play. But at the NFL level, you've got a GM, and, and it's not just, you know, oh, do these guys want to come play here? It's, do we have enough money? You know, so there's so much more that, that goes into it. Um, and that's why we've seen guys that make the jump from college to the NFL aren't successful. And with Harbaugh, we've seen that the jump back also isn't successful. But yeah, like you said, we know he can play. Uh, we know he can coach at the NFL level. Maybe a team I would throw in there too, maybe the Bears, if they move on from Nagy, which might be a possibility. But I, I don't know. That's the only other team I could think of uh, other than the ones that you listed. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, it's it's hard to see a guy who, who won Coach of the Year recently uh, get fired, but I know there's some Bears fans that, that want him out. Um, you know, and another guy like Brian Dayball for the Bills, uh, I think he'll probably get a head coaching job. You know, if not, it's just because he might turn him down. But I think he'll be a very hot uh, commodity on the uh, in the offseason. What he's done with Josh Allen is remarkable. Um, you know, and I think the Chargers would look at that and be like, okay, if he did that with Josh, he can definitely do it with Herbert. They have the same sort of skill set. Um, the Jets, same thing. You know, they're bringing in Trevor Lawrence, who has that same sort of, you know, the elite arm talent, elite athleticism at the quarterback position, big, tall, strong guys. Um, you know, and, and uh, Trevor Lawrence has a, a better pedigree than both of them. So I think he'll be a, a, a hot candidate as well. The enemy, I really hope, gets a job. You know, I hope, I, I wanted him to get a job last year. Um, but, you know, there are, there are some people that seem kind of down on him and, they sort of discredit him as a as a candidate, um, and I'm not going to jump to to a racial issue, but it's more of like an Andy Reid thing. They kind of think that well, Andy Reid's really the guy calling the shots, so he shouldn't get that much credit, and therefore he shouldn't really necessarily be a top coaching candidate. 
but everything I've read out of him, I mean, I loved the guy when he was at Colorado in college, you know, as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything I've read out of him, he's, he's a fiery dude. The players love him. They do credit him for a lot of their success. So I'd like to see him get a shot. Um, my shot for him is, is kind of the Jaguars with uh, with Justin Fields. I think that might be a really nice fit uh, with Eric Bieniemy in Jacksonville. Um, Harbaugh, I think I think he could have his, his pick of the litter out of those five teams if he really wants to leave Michigan. Um, and Dayball makes a lot of sense with the Chargers. So, yeah, and who knows? I mean, all for all we know, Trevor Lawrence might tell the Jets, listen, you know, I don't really necessarily have to play for you. I can go back to college for a year. But I'll, I'll go number one. I'll go play for you. I want Dabo to come with me. I mean, he mm-hmm. might he might pull mm-hmm. that card. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I don't think the Jets say no to that. You know, even if they don't want Dabo down in New York, I don't think they're going to say no to Trevor. I think he, he's coming into the league with more cachet and more power um, probably than anyone since Peyton Manning. So he can call his shot, and, and I'd love to see him do it. I'm all for player empowerment, so I would love to see it. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This offseason – you know, in a, in a way, is almost as entertaining as the as the NFL season, just because you know you see all these things that are going on behind the scenes. But nothing beats the game per se. But uh, we've we've reached the end of the podcast. Thank you so much again for coming on. We always appreciate you donating your time and and bouncing bringing ideas in here that you know I I wouldn't even think to consider. So appreciate you as always. Well, one more real quick. Do I have just like a minute? Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, because you asked me about the the MVP race, so. Uh, one more real quick thing in, in the DM you asked me. Uh, to me, Mahomes is the slam dunk MVP this year. Um, and just based on the numbers and because the, the voters always seem to incorporate team wins, team success. Um, you know, and I think the Packers sitting at 10-3 and three and the Chiefs at 12-1, and one, that makes all the difference to the voters. So if, if I'm putting money on it, uh, I would definitely bet on Mahomes as the MVP. At the moment, you know, he's got, I think he's got around 4,458 total yards. Rodgers is down at 3,785. But Rodgers, I think, has 43 total touchdowns and just four picks, and Mahomes is 35 touchdowns and five picks. So Rodgers is technically, he's probably having the better year, the more efficient year. Um, and there's quite a few stats that bear that out. I also will say Rodgers is the better quarterback. I know people will lose their minds. I'm going to get DMs <laughs> after this show goes. People are going to go nuts uh, and, and probably flip out and start swearing at me on DMs, but Rodgers is the better quarterback. Flip the two quarterbacks. Rodgers is putting up better numbers than Mahomes. Mahomes is putting up worse numbers than Rodgers. Um, but Mahomes is the MVP. He's a generational talent. He'll deserve it. He's awesome. Uh, but I'm just throwing that out there. And if that's the Super Bowl matchup, Patrick against Aaron, that's going to be magnificent. I'll love every second watching that one. Yeah, no, that's going to that's gonna be a good one for sure. But yeah, no, like I said, always appreciate you coming on, giving us your time. You're always welcome. Anytime, anytime. My pleasure. Have a great night, man.